right. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Clark Wilcox, founder of the Digital Recruiter Consulting and Recruiting Agency. Um, this is where we share all the ins and outs of the recruiting industry, what's working, what's not working, uh, different agency owners and recruiters, their background, stories, how they got into this crazy industry. Um, I am joined today by the CEO and co-founder of Four Corners Executive Search, Tara Rochello. And she is the very first recruiter that I worked with uh, when it came to LinkedIn and helping recruiters on LinkedIn and get the most out of that platform. Uh, she took a big risk, but I think I'm so grateful that she trusted a UMass Amherst grad. Uh, and so I'm super excited. She's an amazing recruiter, a better person. Tara, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you and getting to know you. So I'm super excited. Likewise. Yeah, this will be fun. I, I'm excited for our listeners to learn more about your story and just get to know you because you've just done so much in, in this industry and there's a lot that people can learn from you. Let's just get started. How did you get involved in recruiting? So I was a, a pharma and medical sales rep for, I think, eight or nine years. Uh, and then my husband was in the military and like the more his career progressed, the more we started to move around. And, uh, I was, I had actually given my notice to the company that I was leaving cause we were moving from Washington DC to Las Vegas. And, um, we just were just kind of having a conversation. They said, you know, we really need a recruiter that's dedicated to just our sales team. And, um, and, and the conversation just went from there. I ended up going to work for their agency that they used and I was, uh, almost solely working on roles for my previous employer. So it was a really good way to get my feet wet because I, I knew the profile, I knew who they hired, and um, it, it was just a really easy transition and, and it worked out well. That's that's great, right? You get that subject matter expertise. It's just, you don't even have to, like, you don't have to like learn that or have a learning curve. I, mean, I got involved and people know like it's skilled trades and generally yeah. but I had no idea what was going on. Right? So yeah. there's that whole learning curve. So it's kind of nice to just get into it and figure out, all right, what's the sourcing? What's the screening? but you already know the industry and kind of can talk the language. So I'm sure that like helped expedite yeah. the process. Yeah. No, it's helped a ton because I, I can talk the talk with the candidates and with the hiring managers. I know um, when they say they need somebody who's got grit, like I know exactly what they're talking about. Um, and, and when a candidate tells me like, Hey, I'm looking for a culture that, you know, is X, Y, and Z are important to me. I, I know exactly what they're talking about and I, I can talk to them like from personal experience. So it, it's a huge help. It's that, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, with, within that, yeah, like talk to like, this is something I think has come up a lot this year, especially because it's a tougher market this year, right? Medical device. I mean, that's, you know, sweet, your sweet spot, life sciences. It's been tougher this year, right? So you, I think we're seeing the people that really have that experience and knowing the vetting and like kind of matching those intangibles, right? With the company, the department and the candidate, like how do you, Kind of how do you build the trust, right, with the hiring managers? Like, I think that's what something I know I've, I've picked up on. You do an extremely good job of kind of building that or building that trust. Like, what are some of the keys in doing that? Have them kind of trust you of like who you're bringing to the table is kind of like they are who they say they are. Yeah, I think communication is the biggest thing because we don't get it right a hundred percent of the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, there have been candidates that I've submitted and I get super excited. I'm on the phone with them and they, they're telling me all the things that I, I want to hear and I'm ignoring some of the yellow flags, right? They're not, I wouldn't say I'd ignore the red flags, but I'm ignoring some of the yellow flags that are, that are being put up, but I, I just, they're saying everything I want to hear. And I feel like they're really going to hit it off with the hiring manager. And I send them in for the interview and the manager's like, well, they did okay, but they, they asked some weird questions right out of the gate and, and stuff that just makes me concerned. And it's just being able to have that rapport, that relationship, um, and understanding that they can tell me when I'm missing the boat and, and I can tell them when I feel like they're missing the boat or, or they're overanalyzing something that, um, because I've done this for 10 years, I, I can say, you know, like, really, what is your concern? Are you concerned about... X, Y, or Z, because you don't have the 
the sales training to support growing this candidate or, and, and, and I can understand it's, it's really communication is really what it comes down to is, is being able to, to have open lines and, and be able to communicate frankly. And that's got to start. I mean, I've talked to everyone. I mean, that starts, well, so we work together. I mean, everyone assumes that starts on the first call. Right? Yeah. And I think what we started working on three years ago now was like when you can join, you know, the, the program, the agency I was working with at the time, it was like, no, this actually starts with your, like your profile, like what they can see about you before you even talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like that matters so much in how you establish the communication, yeah. right? Of like that's, I think that was my, I'm not to put words in your mouth, but I think it was kind of like surprising for you, kind of cool. That first mm-hmm. like month that we started working, like, wow, there's a lot of response and it came yeah. from just showing what you've done in the industry already yeah. on your profile. Like people are like no, prepared yeah. to talk to you, right? I don't know if you want to kind of expand on that a little bit or what that no, was like. No, absolutely. Because yeah. I did not, I mean, my LinkedIn profile was like bare minimum. I think I had like maybe copied some snippets from other recruiters that I thought were like good ideas and, and I they were catchy or, you know, whatever. They, they caught my attention. So um, I kind of did my own little spin on it. But I wasn't talking to the customer i was like sharing brags on on stuff that i had done and and i wasn't i didn't understand how to communicate to the customer what i what i could do or what i was doing um and like when you kind of coached me on revamping that and like it doesn't need to be anything that we're not reinventing the wheel we just need to be able to share that like you're the right person to talk to um because we we can't I can't recruit for everybody in every job. Like I, I know nothing about skilled trades recruiting, um, but being able to just really detail your profile and, speci- and make your profile specific to the industry that you serve. And when somebody clicks on it, they know like, oh yeah, this person is exactly in my wheelhouse and they talk to the exact kind of candidates that I want to, I want to look at. Um, it, it makes it a no brainer for us to have a conversation. Right. And, and with speed and quality being the name of the game, right? And good recruiting, that's every agency says that, right? Safety, time and money. It's like, that's one of the underutilized areas, I think, for recruiters is using that profile to communicate, mm-hmm. right? As you said, it's the biggest thing to get in quality clients, to build in that rapport, build in that relationships. And you can get so involved in like in mails and email sequences and calls. It's like, well, what are, like what's the buyer's journey, right? What's the hiring manager? What's the candidate's journey to me standing out to amongst other recruiters, right? Because you got to re- compete against all the big agencies. So like, I think that's the opportunity. Like you saw, it's like, all right, I got to be able to stand out as a boutique shop, and you mm-hmm. have your niche. It's just like, what, like, how do I communicate that? And that's what was really cool. I mean, I do you want a client, right? You had a non-compete, which we could definitely talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. But like, that was the key. It's like, you knew everything. You already communicate this, doing this in terms of like the hard way, right? Like kind of like the cold calls, like everything mm-hmm. else, like that communication piece, it starts there. It doesn't yeah. start after they say, Hey, what's your rate? Cause then you're like, Oh man, like, I don't know this is probably not the best lead for me yeah. too. Um, <laughs> And it was interesting because like you had that piece down, we got the system running and then there was a ton of like your inbox blew up, but I, what I kind of wanted was really interesting. And I talk about this topic a lot that January, a lot of people came to you as job seekers. Yes. And it wasn't necessarily always just like hot leads. Like we got wrecks, like everything else but they came to you as job seekers, but like, you were able to like do something with that. Maybe not all in the moment, but like, yeah. Talk about yeah. like how that initially might've been maybe not exactly what you're looking for, but you got to turn that into a positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as a recruiter, I'm, we always are building our pipeline, not only with clients, but with candidates, because if we don't have candidates, we can't fill the recs. So I, I feel like it never hurts to have a conversation with somebody then and a lot of candidates did or a lot of people did come to me as job seekers that first uh that january when we first started working together and um it's always beneficial to have the conversation a because you're building a relationship with a potential candidate um or a potential client in the future b um you're learning about the market and like you're learning about their company changes they're going through or competitors that they potentially are talking to um, and then, I mean, the long end of it is, is really that 
you have you have another candidate to add to your database, but you are building a relationship with somebody, and that's what recruiting is really all about. Like it's it's not just I mean some of it is just you know plugging things in and, and making matches, but a lot of it it's it's relationship based and and having people build trust uh, enough to listen to you when you have an opportunity for them. Um, yeah. and, and it starts with like those initial conversations and, and telling them, listen, I don't have anything right now, but let's talk. I want to learn about your background um, and what you might be looking for because new jobs come across every day. And, and I think it's definitely worth having a conversation. Absolutely. And you, I think we talked last spring, it was like a year later, like mm-hmm. three of those people on the same month, like came through as clients. Yeah, like, no, they did. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah, they did. And it was, it was people that, I had connected with, we had like a really brief, actually, I think one or two of them, we'd never even had a conversation, but they came back a year later um, from just my initial reach out and they came back a year later. They're like, Hey, I wasn't looking at the time, but now I really need to hire a couple people on my team. And do you think we could talk? And uh, it's, it's just, you never know what, what is going on in somebody's world um, and, and what messaging or what, what your timing is like it's just you need a little bit of luck and and a lot of (laughs) a lot of effort so um but yeah you never know it's just staying after it and i think that's some i get this question a lot of like well what do i say if i don't have a rec for them right now or a role for them right now how do i still have a good conversation like how do you have that and like where do you leave it so like you still have that goodwill yeah I always, if I don't have anything, I always preface the conversation with that. Uh, I even preface setting the appointment with that. Usually I'll say, listen, I, I don't have anything that on the surface would be a fit right now, but let's talk because I don't know. I don't know if you want to make an entire career change or if you want to get into marketing. I, I don't know anything about what you're looking for and I don't want to make any assumptions, but let's talk. And um, I'd love to get some background so that when I, when something does come across your top of mind. Yeah. And that's, again, you get that because you have your niche, your vertical, like you own it, right? You know, your lane that allows you to have what dozens, probably hundreds of contacts by now in the industry. So when you're saying that to them, like, Hey, I might, I can have ears to the ground. It, it resonates more. And <laughs> you're putting yourself out there with the LinkedIn profile, with your content. So you're in this space or so it's more believable. And there's yeah. more, I think there's better goodwill, right? Because it can be so much animosity with, I mean, we both know that with agency recruiting with a lot yeah. of candidates and so it's in some industries, it's just like, oh, another recruiter versus like, yeah. oh, Tara's like, she's in this, like she's in my field and like you yeah. were in sales and I've done this. It's like, they're much more open. And I think that's what was cool. Like you were having such great conversations with people and some of them did lead. I mean, I think you signed like five contracts in the first like 90 days. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's I like did. there were some crazy. immediate yeah. business, but there was like, <laughs> yeah. right. But it was like all good vibes like, all around. Like it was pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. to have no. like that niche and like just what you've already done for 10, 15 years in the industry. Yeah. Uh, no. So. Yeah. No, I, I did. I signed. It was like actually amazing. And uh, I tell people <laughs> all the time, like you're you are the reason that I had success my first year in business because um, I, I needed a lot of coaching on business development. Uh, I had spent a lot of time doing I, I almost full desk recruiting. I wasn't doing any business development on my own. The accounts that I had just kind of fell in my lap um, just through building relationships with, with other candidates. And uh, so I, I needed a lot of coaching when it came to business development. And, um, but yeah, no, with, and it wasn't a ton of like tweaking. It was just like a little bit of pushing and a little bit of coaching. Like, Hey, this, this is where you're missing the mark and, and where you can just make a couple changes and, um, and have some, really great returns and it, it did work out amazingly it's and look, i mean you it, you knew how to navigate right the inbox like we talked about it and you'd make it happen like i think the willingness to get on the phone and just explore so i tell people over and over like linkedin if you're looking at like automation or content like if you look at things like too much black or white it's probably not going to work out it's gonna be really hard for you to run a full desk or an agency like If that's the way you're looking at it, maybe just stick to candidates or something a little bit more cut and dry, which good luck in recruiting. Uh, (laughs) Even if you have a medical sale, you know, medical device sales focus, right? There's so many nuances that you've seen 
yeah. which is kind of that willingness to kind of figure things out. And there was like a lot of calls in the beginning. And that's like, and then we refined it, right? It's like, okay, yeah. well, what are the better calls? Like, how do we double down on that? How do we get more of those? So yeah. it's not just like you're talking to everyone all the time. And then you kind of get better and better at refining and iterating it. And it becomes like a lot smoother. And it feels like a, like a huge, like it's amplifying all yeah. your efforts, right? And so that was cool. And it's also, you have a family, you had built husband in the military, you had three kids, like, and you were starting on your own, you had a non-compete, right, for one to two years, depending on the mm -hmm. account, like, and you had built up a huge territory and a huge bunch of accounts, like, yeah, what, I mean, we got to talk about, like, the weight that was kind of lifted off, you're like, well, yeah. I was saying, like, wow, there's so many more companies that I didn't know existed yeah. in my space. No. Yeah, I was, like, in a little, I was, I think of it like I was kind of in this silo, and um, I was so focused on like the strikers and the Medtronics and the Boston scientifics and, um, and you know, and we, we, I had some exposure to working with some startups, but like most of my time in, in my role in my previous company was really focusing on, um, on our bigger clients. And so I was in this silo and I, I decided to start my own company and I had a, a one to two year non-compete depending on on the client and I kind of panicked because, and I did like a little bit of business development on my own. Um, and I really like with very minimal return and, and I kind of like, I took a couple months off and I was like, I just don't even, I don't know what to do. And, um, and we had been moving and it was like a really hectic time in our life. So I took a couple months off and then, uh, I, I had panicked. I was like, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I, I may just have to like sit and wait until my non-compete wears out. And then I can go back to my old clients and, and see if I can do that. And um, I had entertained a couple of other people that had reached out to me on LinkedIn and had offered business development services. And they were like, they were guaranteeing things that just seemed impossible to guarantee like a certain amount of monthly revenue and, um, I just remember thinking like, how can you guarantee that you have no idea what my work ethic is? Like you have no idea yeah. how, like, I was like, that just seems really, really impossible. And you had reached out um, and your messaging was very different. Uh, you went to UMass, which <laughs> that was like, I don't know. It just, it stood out. I was like, oh, cool. You know? And, uh, yeah. and, uh, that's the C and plus then, student I want to align with. Well, me, yeah. yeah, yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Five-year plan. Two master yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, but no, so I, um, but yeah, no, your messaging was different. It, it wasn't promising anything other than appointments. Um, and that, that really spoke to me because I was like, I, I, I just want appointments. I know how to qualify a job order. I know how to, I want to determine if these are the clients that I want to work with. I, you know, that's, I just want appointments because I, I wasn't getting any on my own. Um, and that's, that's what spoke to me. And, and then being able to have the coaching on the other end, um, and just having like just direction was like invaluable. It's, it's huge when you just by yourself <laughs> too, right? Like, yeah. like I said, yeah. you got a million responsibilities, right? With your, your, your family, you're trying to build this, but you know what you're doing, but I think that's the surprise. Like as an owner, you got to cover everything. Yeah. Right, being away yeah. from the W two, and it's just like if you can be like a piece of that, and just to kind of have that support system, that's what I was so like happy for you. We could provide mm -hmm. some of that support, some of that direction, and like help you amplify like what you do really well. Like that's what I love doing because there's yeah. a lot of recruiters and owners like yourself that are doing it the right way, but it's a lot. I mean, the recruiting is a grind. There's 50 things that to do at the same time, and all in yeah. one day, and all the things you got to do yesterday, and being spread that thin, it's really hard to get the rates that you're used to getting, right? And mm -hmm. do all those things. And that was what was really cool is that you told me, I think one day, it's like, I've been able to raise all my fees mm -hmm. because like I, I have opportunities. I've earned in the fire. I don't have to take bad business. It's like, yeah. that was music to my ears. And like, yeah, that yeah. was kind of cool. No, um, and that, it just kind yeah. of happened by accident because it was just like, listen, I don't, I've got all these other fees that are, you know, 20,000 plus, um, and really just like taking stock and what I have and the bandwidth and being like, do I have the time to, to dedicate to something that's going to pay me half as much? Um, 
and the answer was no, because I, I, I had like my average fee had almost doubled um, in the first year. It's crazy. That's, yeah. that's nice. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. love it. Yeah. That, that was that's so cool. I always love hearing the story. <laughs> I, I can never get enough of it. Um, it's, it's so cool. And so we've talked about partnerships, right. And split rec boards and all this other stuff. Like, and I, that's, I think it's a great way for recruiters to kind of stay in the game, be kind of what's, you know, see what's going on. I know you made some places with splits, but it can be challenging too, right? And I think some recruiters right now are looking at that as like, hey, what do I, like, is this a kind of an opportunity? Like, what are some of the, like, talk to us about the, your experience with like mm -hmm. some of those like split rec boards that you're on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, so I, there was a time in my career that I did most of my business on split rec boards. Um, it, it, I did definitely over 50% of my revenue came from split recs. And I think, uh, I think they're incredibly valuable um, as a recruiter on now more so on the candidate side. So if, like if I've got a candidate that's phenomenal and I don't have a home for them internally, um, then I have the ability to network with some of these split boards and, and hopefully find a home for them. Um, but it, it, when I first started out, I was, I was doing it on the opposite end where I was more candidate driven. And um, I was looking for, I was actively sourcing candidates and then looking for homes um, on the other side for them. So they're incredibly valuable. Um, the biggest challenge is that you lose control um, of the process. Like you, you have zero client control um, when you're sending a candidate and, uh, when you have a job that you're posting, you have very little control on the quality of candidates that you're getting from the split rep board. So, um, or from, from these networks. So there can be challenges, but it, it's, I found that, you know, the more you do it and the more you build relationships and, and you start to understand the other recruiters on the other side of the transaction, um, then, and you understand like what their mindset is and how they qualify candidates and jobs. And um, you have a lot more success, but it, it can definitely take time to get there. And the thing I picked up on with you, it's like you have the patience and like the resiliency, but you also got to keep, you keep after it. And it's, a yeah. lot of times I see recruiters just kind of give up. If something's not super smooth right away, with whether it's a partnership or a client, or right, they kind of just give up, or right? the first two submittals don't go their way. They're like, "Oh, that client's never going to hire anyone." And then what I what I've noticed with you is like you just are like relentless in a sense, right? <laughs> like with like does yeah. the candidate try to make it make sense to the hiring manager to the candidate or maybe <clears throat> to the other recruiter? You know, how does that? And this kind of leads into what I want to ask you about, because you've been able to build relationship with Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies, internal recruiting teams. Like, I'm amazed at some the amount of placements you make with teams that already have a bunch of internal recruiters. Yeah. Right? And you have direct access, like you're not always going through like a VMS or whatever. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with kind of like the, the persistence. But yeah, how do you develop those relationships with internal recruiters, right? Like, how do you gain their trust? Yeah. Uh, honestly, a big part of it is this, the communication, 90% of this job is communication. Um, a big part of it is like just really understanding how they like to work because I think a lot of times internal recruiters feel like they're competing with agency recruiters, um, and they don't necessarily feel like it's a partnership. And they, they also sometimes feel like agency recruiters are stepping on their toes, um, and I've had internal recruiters tell me like, Hey, you're way outside of our process right now. Like we've got to back it up seven steps and, and then you can submit your candidate. Like it, I, I, I am relentless sometimes to my own detriment. So, um, it, but it's, it's always just understanding, like just understanding people. That's, that's what this job is and, and how they work and, and how I'm going to, best serve them um, because that's what I'm doing when I'm working with agency recruiters. Like I am helping to take work off their plate um, because they are so maxed out on onboarding and posting jobs, sifting through resumes that are getting um, that are the applicants that are coming through because I don't do any of that. I like 
proactively am sourcing candidates that fit the profile. Um, so it's a partnership where they can hand, they can do their job and then know that I am out there proactively sourcing candidates that fit the profile, not just sifting through resumes that are coming in. And, and, and when I can understand how they work um, and how they like to communicate and how, how I fit into their puzzle, um, that's when you, you can build the relationship. That's, it's the name of the game, right? And I think a lot of, you know, it's got to be refreshing for a lot of managers because I'm sure you, I, I know you get, they're like, wow, you actually know my industry. You know, the, you know, the, the, the you know, kind of archetype of the person we're looking for, right? We talked about that in the beginning uh, of the show. The, you've done, you've done really well with some of these bigger companies, kind of how have you gone like through some of the red tape in the beginning to get some of those contracts signed? Like what are some of the kind of the hurdles that you faced in, yeah. in getting those signs? Sometimes it's honestly, a lot of it has been a combination of utilizing the tools that you have given me um, and, and knowing the profile already and having the right candidate. Um, and like, I just, I just broke into another fortune 500 client recently um, because I had a, an MPC and I knew it, like she was a rock star and um and I, we were able to break into another client and, uh, but really it, it's, it's been finding the right decision maker. Um, and a lot of times they're willing to make the introduction. Like if, if they, you have the conversation, you know what you're talking about, you've got a candidate that, you know, can do the job and, and that would be competitive with other candidates that they're probably considering. Um, they're willing to make the introduction and advocate to get you on their approved vendor list. Um, very rarely with the larger organizations do I have success um, going directly to talent acquisition because I think they get a lot of a lot of activity in LinkedIn and outreach um, from recruiters like myself. And, and I think, you know, you have to find a way to stand out uh, in the crowd because and that the way to do that is to to show somebody who's in a decision making capacity that like, you know, what you're talking about. The and we worked on that messaging a lot, right? The MPC for those that don't know, most placeable candidate, right? Leading with a, uh, Sarah said, a rock star, right? And there's different ways to go about that. You can search, you know, jobs and applicants on on LinkedIn, and then there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Sales Navigator if you have that and all that to kind of navigate who is hiring to be able to get those that MPC out there. Uh, you know, we looked at the messaging. I think we kept it really like we highlighted like what they had done relevant to, I think like hitting quota and the territory, mm -hmm. why, you know, and being able to do that, like in a concise fashion, I think it's really effective. Um, yeah. Obviously you just got another client because of that. Um, the, the next step after that, right. This is a big, I think this has come up a lot is interview process. Mm -hmm. right? What do you recommend for companies, big companies, smaller companies, right? I know you, candidates, especially in sales, right? It's like shiny object syndrome, right? If you take too long and they run away, right? If mm -hmm. it's, you know, too yeah. fast, maybe they have questions, you know, I know you had like a 24 hour turnaround, I think earlier this year, which is bananas from what, like a signed <laughs> offer to like contract signed to offer accepted, which is nuts. Like, yeah. but yeah. talk to us about interview process and what you think is like the ideal process for yeah. uh, really any company, especially in your industry. Yeah, no, I mean, the ideal process was the 24 hour turnaround. That was like amazing. It was yeah. submitted the candidate on a Thursday afternoon, uh, talked to the hiring manager Friday morning, talked to the, the uh, VP of sales or talked to somebody um, that the hiring manager reported to Friday afternoon, Friday evening, they had an offer um, in their inbox and, and it was signed. So that honestly, that never happens. Like it, that rarely happens. Um, I think ideal interview processes are three, maybe four steps. Um, it's, it really depends on the company. Um, it depends on the reporting structure, how many people are on the team, because sometimes the hiring, the hiring manager will want uh, the candidates to talk to at least a few people on their team. And I count those as interview steps each, each call. Cause it's, it's time you're taking away from your current job. So, um, but I think, 
steps like that can be beneficial for the candidate too, because they, they need to make sure that like, these are their people and that they want to be a part of this team. So, um, so it, it varies, but I think overall a good interview process should be streamlined to three, maybe four steps. Um, and, and one thing that I've seen since the pandemic is like offers being extended without anybody actually meeting in person. Um, some of my clients are, are getting away from that and doing more, more face-to-face interviews now. Um, but it's still happening. I'm still having candidates receive offers without actually ever meeting anybody in person. Um, and I think particularly in sales, because of the nature of the day-to-day, they're out in the field and, and they're not interviewing locally. Most of the time, the, the company that they're interviewing with could be across the country. Um, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense and it, it keeps everything streamlined and you can essentially um, do pretty much the same thing with, with all the video capabilities that we have now um, as you can in a face-to-face interview. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, what are kind of the problems or potential issues with, you know, taking too long, like, a six, seven step interview process or not giving a recruiter feedback, or, mm-hmm. you know, on whether it's post interview or anything else, or just kind of dragging your feet, right. Or recruiting mm-hmm. on a position or having a recruiter recruit on a position, but you're not able to make a decision in a timely manner. Like what effect does that have on companies that they might not realize? They, when you are dragging your feet, um, you run a massive risk of losing a candidate. Like if you have a candidate who is, who's so impressive, they, they are clearly your first choice. And a lot a question I like to ask hiring managers a lot is, okay, so if this candidate doesn't work out, doesn't accept the job, takes an offer from somebody else, do you have a good number two? Like, would you hire your number two? Almost, I would say at least 85% of the time, the answer is no. So if you are in that situation, um, where you have a candidate and, and you've got a backup, but you're not hundred percent sure you'd offer them the job too, um, then you need to move quickly. And I think candidates get burnt out from, they get interview, interview fatigue from like really feeling like they're having to answer the same questions over and over and prove themselves over and over. Um, and, and I think they, the thing is like when you're asking a candidate to, to do that five, six, seven times um, with different people or multiple times with the same people, um, the chances of somebody else coming in and and like courting them and and making them feel a little bit less like they need to prove themselves, um, your chances of losing the candidate are massively high. Well, correct, is it? It also impacts the brand. And like your industry is big, but it's not like that big. Right. Like yeah. word gets around, people know the companies and the different players. So if someone has a <clears throat> too long of an interview process or it's redundant, all that, like word can get around. Or, you know, if they're posting jobs or have other agencies post jobs for them, mm-hmm. like, oh, we're talking about that job. Like, no, I'm good. I've already been through that process. Right. It kind of ruins yeah. the brand, which I've talked yeah. about a couple other episodes. It's just like, it's, it's like, it's a tough look for a company. Yeah. Companies can hurt their brand without even realizing it. Yeah. Uh, no. And, and that's the thing. And it's understanding how the company presents in the marketplace um, is something that I have, it's taken me, it's a long, it's a skill that it's taken me a long time to, to hone and really understand um, how this company is branded in the marketplace and, and the companies that are getting the candidates that they want um are the ones who really understand that, who they understand, like, I don't want to work with three different recruiting agencies on this because I don't want to water down my reputation in the market. I don't want, because uh, there's nothing worse as a recruiter. And this happened to me a lot early in my career, um, just because of the opportunities I was working on, there's nothing worse than getting on the phone with a candidate and having them say, oh, yeah, like, you're the fourth person to call me about this. Um, and and automatically your reputation as a recruiter is like shot because you're, yeah. you're number four. Not only are you not number one, but you're number four. You and then, medal. Right. Four. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not even, yeah. Not even an honorable mention. And, uh, yeah. but there's that. And then 
the candidates start to say things like, why hasn't anybody taken this job yet? Why are so many people calling me about this? What's going on? What's the story? What's the deal with the hiring manager crazy or what's going on? Like, and you don't want candidates to start talking because they do, especially sales reps. They run into each other in hospitals and accounts all the time. And because I talk to candidates all the time, they're like, oh yeah, no, I knew the rep that left. Um, yeah, I just talked to him last week and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a very small world. Um, and you don't, you never want to water down your reputation in the market um, because it really does limit the number of candidates that are going to be willing to talk to you um, or willing to consider the opportunity, if, especially if they feel like they're, you know, the 300th candidate that's been contacted and, you know, they're, they're the lucky winner that gets the interview. Like it's, yeah. it doesn't help anybody. People want to, you know, people want to feel special. So yeah, wanna, yeah, beyond interview process questions, you know, what are some other things that companies can do to make sure that like, the role is, you know, appealing for, you know, as you said, their A candidate, their ideal A candidate? Yeah, I think making the, and I think our clients are really good about this, um, setting the expectations clearly, um, with the recruiter, you know, making sure, because the last thing you want to do is have a candidate go through the entire and every process, um, which on average is probably three to four weeks of interviewing um, and having them go through the whole process, get the offer and then find out that they're going to be on call one weekend a month. Um, I, I think making sure that the recruiting agencies that you're partnering with um, understand those expectations and they're setting that clearly um, when they're when they're screening these candidates and qualifying these candidates um, making sure compensation is not like a guessing game I, I never understand why um, candidates have to wait until they actually get the offer to realize that they're not even going to be able to come close to meeting somewhere on compensation so I think um, I don't always think that's a first interview. I, I never think it's a first interview conversation, but I think that it should be very clear um, what the potential compensation is for, for everything. Um, because that's a big driver. I, I feel like more now than ever with inflation and um, just people just taking stock in, in their life um, since the pandemic, it's, it's been a compensation is a huge driver um, for, I mean, most candidates that I talk to, a lot of times they're, they're looking for something different than what they're doing or work-life balance or different culture, but compensation is, is always the biggest driver. Yeah. Well, yeah. When chickens, you know, $20 a pound, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> You're not kidding. It, 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 You're does, not kidding. it does matter a little bit. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a whole, that's a whole rant. Uh, <laughs> that I'm not sure we want to go down that rabbit hole. And you're in California, which I left, so I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm complaining about prices in Ohio, so yeah, it's no, uh, it's... It, it's it's brutal. It, it's it's yeah. brutal, and like with sales and and producer roles, and you know, we we've, we've placed salespeople with companies. You know, we've uh, placed recruiters with other recruiting agencies, and you know, base is important, but it's also like. Am I going to be able to like close business in this yeah. role, right? For recruiters, yeah. like, can I make placements? Like, are these recs going to close, right? Yeah. Like that, that, you know, with the promise. And I'm just same thing, right? Is this product, like, is it going to sell? What's the territory like, right? Like everything else, it's like that matters. Like, what's the actual real like, potential to realize the opportunity? Because I think a lot of times yeah. in sales, it's like, well, just go make it happen. Like, you know, it's like, well, like, okay, yeah. Right. But yeah. like it's we've evolved a little bit. Right. It, there's yeah. like there's there's different tools and different things like like what is a real like is this a real sales opportunity or is it kind of like a hope and a prayer territory type yeah. of situation? I think mean, the more you give that on the front end, people can at least approach it honestly and be like, yeah. OK, this is what I'm dealing with. And at least they can trust that going forward, there's going to be there's a foundation of transparency. Yeah. And it's like really sucks when that gets flipped on you halfway yeah. or at the end of the process. Like yeah. it totally no, And sucks. that's, I, uh, earlier in my career, I worked on a lot of roles where we had to really hold the candidate's hand and sell them on the job through the entire process. And like, even when we, the offer was signed, like we're still holding our breath to make sure they show up on the first day of work because it was a really, really competitive, really tough industry um, you can make a lot of money if you're successful, but 
the fact is that most people were not successful. Um, and, and it was a real, I mean, maybe not most, but I mean, it really like you had to kill yourself, like, you know, 12 hour work days, seven days a week. Um, and those types of jobs, having a can, you know, placing somebody there and having a candidate call three months in and be like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, those are the things that, that I have learned to qualify now, um, as a tenured recruiter and, and really understand like the types of clients, the types of roles, um, that I want to work with, that I want my name tied to, um, and, and really understanding, like, I, I want to work with clients that value their employees and that have a culture that, that is built to develop the talent that they have, um, and, and not just churn and burn. Yeah. What are, that's, I mean, I think that's what we all, definitely what we all strive for. You actually get it done, <laughs> uh, which is great. Uh, but I know you've also had to let go of some clients. Uh, yeah. and kind of turn some business away and be like, ah, I don't think it's the right fit. What, what kind of goes into that and how do you, how do you approach that? So, it's hard. Um, <laughs> I will say I'm still, still perfecting that. Um, but really analyzing the amount of time you're spending, cause you can have clients that give you 70 recs a year. Um, but if you're only closing 10% of those, uh, that's not a good return on investment at all because it is a massive time investment, um, particularly as a new agency and starting as a new agency. I didn't have a database. I, I took nothing with me um, when I left. And so every search I had to start from scratch. And it was so I really have to evaluate the amount of time I'm spending on a rec. Um, sometimes, it, sometimes I am relentless to my own detriment where I will work until three o'clock in the morning sourcing candidates because I, I know that there's one out there that, that I can place. And, um, and I have to, it's those times that I really have to like sit back and say, okay, is this a good use of my time? Uh, and sometimes it is, you know, is it's a $30,000 fee? Yeah, sure. That like, sometimes it is. Um, but when it's, it's a client that has, you know, maybe one other agency competing, um, the draw is just not there anymore. Um, it's, if, if it's a client that I know that they come to me, we may not have a formal exclusive agreement, but they come to me exclusively first. Um, and if I don't get them candidates within, you know, the first seven to 10 days, then they may open it up to somebody else. But um, I'm that that client's always going to be a priority, but having to let go of a client, um, it really is just, you have to evaluate how, how much business are they giving you? Um, their fee could be astronomical on paper, but like how much revenue did they actually generate for your company? Um, because they may look like a great client, but it's, it's all about getting the business closed. Like I don't want just a pipeline. I want business closing. Everyone is starting to understand why we worked well together. Cause this is all I talk <laughs> about day in, I, I, you know, it's kind of being a dead horse at times, but there's a reason. Cause that's what matters, right? Time allocation is everything in yeah. recruiting. I don't care if you're retained or contingent, it's still time allocation, right? I see people on retained recs for six months or it's like, great. You got what? 5,000, 10,000, but you didn't actually get the candidates. Mm -hmm. So now the client's pissed and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. You know, contingent, and you talk about this, and I want to get your your take on it because uh, I know you feel strongly uh, yeah. about one form versus the other. But like, it is all about that time allocation, as you said. It's like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right, thirty thousand dollar rec. The client gives me feedback. You know, okay, yeah, I could spend three to five mm -hmm. five days on this or, or mm -hmm. whatever else, right? And that's what I'm. I always talk about with my clients. You know, and the teams that I've kind of like working on their rec board and auditing all that. It's just like why are you spending three quarters of your week on this? They haven't made an offer in seven months to any of your candidates yeah. on yeah. 20 roles. Like what, what are we doing here? Like you got to change the communication with that client before they get any more of your time. You're just, you're working for free. Yeah. In a sense, yeah. like this isn't charity. So no. no. And that's the thing. And I think it, it takes a little, it, it takes getting burned a couple times by a client that just wants to test the waters and see if you can find them candidates that are better than what they already have. Um, it, it takes getting burned a couple times to really, to really understand the importance of qualifying 
a job order. Um, is you know, I, I, I will dedicate, you know, all of my working hours in the week to a rec. If the manager is like, can I get on your schedule every Wednesday until we fill this? And we, we have a set call and we're talking every week and I'm getting real time. And on top of that, I'm getting real time feedback, um, within 24 hours after the interviews. And, I will dedicate all of my working hours to fill those recs because I know they're going to close. They want to hire somebody. They have a need. They're not just testing the waters to see um, if we can find somebody better. There's an actual yeah. partnership there. And I will, I, I mean, I don't, I, I prefer contingent recruiting just because it, I just operate that way in life. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know if I have commitment issues or what, but I just, I operate that way in life. And I, it, it motivates me. It, I mean, it really does. It motivates me to get it done. You know, like there, there's a carrot dangling at the end of the stick and I've got to get this closed. It motivates me to get it done. Um, if I know I've signed an agreement with a client and they are going to wait for me, then, um, then it doesn't, it just, I mean, I'm still going to get it done, but it doesn't like the drive and the excitement is not there. Um, and I, I really, the thing I love about the recruiting is like the, the drive to make the match. And like, that's why I get up every day. Cause I want to find somebody who is going to be excited about this job and that this is going to be life-changing money for them or life-changing experience or, you know, it, it's going to make a difference for them. It's going to in healthcare, it's going to make a difference for their patients. And then um, for the hiring manager, it's going to make a difference for their team and their revenue and their bottom line. So that's what motivates me every day. And um, so I like operating on contingency and, but you have to qualify the recs like, cause anybody will sign a, con there's no risk to them to sign a contingent agreement. Um, right. The risk is all on the recruiter. And so you have to, you really have to understand how to qualify um, the partnership. I'm with you. I get people that are like, oh, I have a hundred recs or 300 clients or 10,000 recs. I'm like, okay, like what's, yeah. what's going to close this week? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know. All of them. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, good luck. Like, yeah. And why are we talking? Yeah. We don't need what, to have what, a conversation. What are we doing? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Why are you yeah. talking to, you know, a, a no yeah. one like me if, yeah. if you got it all figured out? So <laughs> like, it, like, what are we doing? Like, you know, there's like, there's definitely a, a you know, a dissonance there at times. Uh, yeah. that, that I've heard. It's like, you know, we say it at Aerotech all the time. It was like what the red zone. Like you put it on the board, you talk about it twice a day, you give an update twice a day. And you're saying, if you put that tag on the board, it's going to close by this date. Right? Yeah. That's kind of how, you know, I know that's how you operate. You qualify the start date, the urgency, you know why it's open, you know the consequence of not yeah. filling that rec to the company. Yeah. And if we don't, if we all commit to that and it doesn't happen, then we got to fix that. We got to audit that, like what's going on. But if you don't do that on the front end, I mean, you're going to get crushed on yep. the back end at some point in the process. And it's, yep. it's hard. I get it. It's hard to have those tough conversations in the beginning, but like, you got to do it. Like, you yep. have to do it. Otherwise, like it, you're just delaying the inevitable. And like, that's, yep. that's not fun either. No. And I mean, sometimes you just have to go with your gut too. Like there have been yeah. clients that have been referred to me by phenomenal or potential clients that have been referred to me by phenomenal clients. And I've taken on the wreck because of, because of the relationship I have and it didn't listen to my gut. And, and I knew like the, the, the potential client was just not, not really into it. And they were just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just telling me what I needed to hear to get the call over with. And then uh, it doesn't, we don't close it. And so it's, you really have to listen to your gut. You really, you have to feel like there's, a, you have to feel like there's a partnership. Like you just really do. It's not, they want something that you are, you're providing. Um, and, and it has to be a balance on both sides. Well, they have to want it, right? They, I would say mm -hmm. they have to, like agency recruiters like yourself, like you're urgent every single day, right? You just talked about, it. you wake up, like you are ready to make a match every single day, hopefully a few matches a day. Wouldn't that be great, right? But yeah. it's like that's like what you're what you're looking for. If so, you have to vet that level of urgency on the other side, and it's yeah. really easy to convince yourself that it's there. Like you're what you're really doing is you're diagnosing their level of urgency. Yeah, you know, and like it does it match yours or doesn't? If it doesn't, hey, that's okay. Like yeah. I don't think you guys, you know, let's talk in three months. Let's talk in six months in a year. 
It takes yep. discipline, right? It takes like that business discipline to say that. But when you do say that, I'm, and I'm, I know you have, it's just starts of people are like, wait, like you're not trying to get a contract or something like, no, what is there to work on? Like, there's not like, mm-hmm. you guys don't need this right now. That's yeah. fine. Like focus on, on other things. And that does so much to uh, like, it gives a lot of respect to the, the prospects on the other side of the phone. Like they're going to call you back when they need you. Right. But then the yeah. people that actually need you, there's going to be an air of like, you're authentic when you say like, yeah, we got to get this on. We got to get on this right now. Like we got to make it happen. There's no time to waste. And as you said, there's like a vibe, there's an instinct and that goes both ways. Hiring managers can feed off that too. And that's sometimes what agency recruiters don't realize is like people can kind of get it when you're, you're desperate or have commission breath, right. Or something like that versus like, no, Mm -hmm. you're actually give consulting them on like their hiring process and what makes sense and their timeline. That's what opens the door to everything else. Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, just, being honest um, with clients because I, I, I know as a new, when I started my company and as a new agency, um, I did have a little bit of desperation and like, okay, I've got to get business. I've got to keep my doors open. Um, but at the same time, it was like the, the leads that were coming in um, were the right type of leads. Like, and, and I was able to qualify them like it, it was, I don't know. It was like, it was the best case scenario ever because they, the leads that were coming in were in my industry. Um, they were the right types of, of leads. They were hiring managers and, and um, in my industry and with decision-making abilities. And um, so being able to have that coming in, like took a lot of that, like unknown out of the equation because I already knew, I already knew the industry. Um, it was just really understanding if their process fit in with my process and, and if we were going to work well together. Yeah. It's, that's it. Like that is it. The, what is the one piece of advice you give for someone that's thinking of starting their own agency? Cause I know a lot of people are at that point right now that might have just started it, been at it for say six months to a year, maybe mm-hmm. a couple of years. Uh, that's like kind of just looking to kind of settle some of the chaos yeah. that's going in. Like what's, what's a piece of advice, like the main piece of advice you would give them? Um, I mean, honestly, other than signing up for your program, <laughs> signing up for the digital recruiter, <laughs> because that was, I mean, that's, I tell people it, it's the only reason that, that I had any of my own clients in the first year of business at all. Um, but really like, I, I think the biggest piece of advice to generate revenue is to really focus on qualifying the job orders, um, qualifying the job orders and qualifying the candidates appropriately, because if you can do that, then, and, and you can have job recs that you're working on that will close, um, you're going to generate revenue. Like th- there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you have yep. a hiring manager who wants to hire, they have the budget approved and there's a sense of urgency and they want to hire, um, you're going to close it and, and you'll generate revenue. Absolutely. Well, and, and I appreciate that. Uh, you know, the, the first part of the answer, I appreciate the whole answer, uh, but it's so true. And that's where we, I've really evolved this. It's even when you and I first started working together, I, I took what you did so well. And I'm like, wait, why is Tara so successful? Because I was doing a lot of automation and content in the beginning of the digital recruiter. And I realized like, I have to actually start with the qualifying the business and the rec board and auditing that first before yeah. I can really implement and that someone, a recruiter can get the most out of any automation, any outreach, any content, we have to be able to be on the same page of you're qualifying good recs. You're only working on good stuff. You're not going to waste time. You're not going to, you know, mess up your time allocation. Otherwise you don't like none of the other stuff like matters really, yeah. if you don't have that, but if we're on the same page there, it's like, if you only have one good rec, you know what? You only have one good rec. Mm-hmm. it's a lot better than pretending you have 20 good ones. Exactly. Right? And so like you have that, that's the first part of what I work on with any client now. It's just making yeah. sure. And if they're, if they're great, if they got a great looking rec board, everything's qualified, they allocation, great. We move on to the next thing, right? But it has yeah. to be the first step is yeah. it has to be that because then 
now you have outreach going, right? And you have your LinkedIn profile and you have email and ETS and mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then we were adding a lot more content this year, right? And that started yeah. doing really well, right? And that creates yeah. more, more of an ecosystem and more of a sales touch point because yeah. now you know when you create more responses, it goes back to the qualifying. You know how to qualify people, right? You have that sound system. You already had that going into working together, so it's great. But that's what I've noticed. A lot of agencies and recruiters don't necessarily have that for themselves. Yeah. Or it's hard to stay disciplined in the beginning, as you said. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I think it's just the perfect piece of advice. Like, it does start there. Uh, yeah. And anyone we level up and anyone that wants to scale, I always go back to that. Like, how yeah. are we doing it? As you're adding team members, do they know how to do that? Do they know how to qualify their clients? Do they know how to qualify you? Right? When you bring yeah. a rec to the table, right, to the company, yeah. does your recruiting team know how to push back to you, right, yeah. and to the client? And that is a huge part too, right? As you, because you now you have recruiters and are building it out. Like, you have to have that, like, you have to be able to remove your ego, but like, hey, push back on this rec. And just like yeah. a client does with you, like you just have to have like that communication eternally to be able to scale and take it to the next level. But I think you've yeah. been able to like really do, I think with your team now, um, especially like Nate, that's like, I know firing on all cylinders, right? Like <laughs> it's just like that domino effect to like get it right with you and then build it out with your team. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's the thing. And, and you can't teach something if you haven't done it yourself it's yeah. because there's so particularly with recruiting because there are so many nuances to the job that you can only learn certain things as you go um like just scenarios that come up and i'm just like oh my i don't nate called me the other day he's like i don't know what to do with this and i'm like i don't really know either i've never had that happen in 10 plus years but let's let's talk through it and <laughs> figure it out and uh yeah. and it, it all worked out but yeah there's there's a lot that you have to you've got to learn it as you go and uh and you can't teach it if you haven't actually actually put the effort in and, and time to do it yourself uh, it's it's all about the reps yeah yep. it's all about the reps like everything that we do and especially with outreach and content i'm like i just want to get people more reps right you want more quality reps right yeah. to be intentional so well, well we'll we'll start to kind of wind it down but 2023 has been an interesting year i think for recruiting in general for your industry, medical device, you know, pharma, biotech, uh, where, what are you seeing right now? Like, where do you, what have you seen? What do you see this kind of going up? We'll yeah. start with your industry. Yeah. Yeah. Now 2023 was very unique. Um, the year started off really, really busy and strong. And then um, we had some, the Silicon Valley bank collapse and, it, you know, we had um, clients that had to move funding outside of that. And it, it, it definitely, and I think the economy as a whole put a pause on hiring for a lot of our clients. So um, there's a lot of ups and downs this year. I've seen the past quarter uh, way more activity um, and a lot of uptick in the number of recs that we have and the uh, processes moving forward. Summer is always slow for some reason for us summer, you know, and I, I think a lot of it is because, um, vacations and kids are home from school and, and hiring managers just aren't allocating a lot of their free time to going through resumes and, um, and really, they're not really hyper-focused on, on filling their, their roles. But um, so fall is always a busier season for us, but um, definitely seeing a huge uptick in the number of recs that we have and, and the number of processes that are moving forward that have, have been kind of trickling along this summer, um, starting to get offers and, and really start to close out. Awesome. I love to hear that. You know, I think it's always yeah. motivating for people listening that because I get a lot of people messaging me about, you know, it's hard to get business. I'm like, it's, it's out there, right? Like you just got to keep doing all the things, right? Outreach, yeah. content like that. Those, those things never stop, right? Auditing yeah. and, and about self-scouting your own game and how you're qualifying clients and just the general follow-up and, and all that good stuff. So um, yeah. that's good to hear. Good to hear stuff, yeah. you know, wrecks on the board, stuff's closing. So, oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, cool. it's going to be a good year. And uh, I, I say that every year. I, I think this will be another record setting year. We'll see. Uh, we're a little bit behind where I wanted to be this year because quarter two is slow. But, um, but yeah, no, it's it's going to be a good year. It always is. I, well, I know the fall and I know you'll, you'll make it happen. I know for you, like, it's like those Q3, Q1 always seems to be your quarter. So, yeah. you got it. Yeah. I know, I know you'll make it happen. Uh, yeah, no. Awesome. get to the and point where our head's spinning and we can't, 
that's, that's the always the point yeah. I tell people to get to. Yeah, get it to yeah. where you just like everything breaks and like let's yeah. figure it out and <laughs> let's level it up again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like we're gonna stress test this stuff here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Anything else that you want to leave the people with? Um, no, just uh, honestly, if you're looking to start your own agency and and you have the the grit and the discipline to do it, uh, it's. I mean, you just have to stay on top of it and do the activities and, um, and it will come, you know, focus on putting the right people in the right jobs and, and the success comes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Get to work, keep at it, stay consistent, do all the good things. As Tara said, you know, work with me, all that good stuff. So, uh, <laughs> Tara, it's an absolute pleasure. It's always nice to talk Likewise. to you. Uh, Likewise. Likewise. Uh, this has been great. So, Awesome. Well, that'll be it for this episode, Digital Recruiter Podcast. Uh, for Tara, we'll have her contact information, everything else in the episode page and wherever you're listening to this. So if you want to connect with her, connect with her on LinkedIn, shoot her a message. If you're in uh, anything, med device, biotech, pharma, connect with her. If you need a recruiter, she's your person, whether you have Rex or you need a job, reach out to her and her team. They are amazing. So we'll have that in the episode bio. Um, yeah, until next time. We'll see you. Happy hunting. Thank you.